Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to take a look at D-Block Europe on their UK tour, which happens to be in Cardiff, where I'm based. Anyways, so coming into the arena today and there's five trucks and three tour buses. So a medium-sized show. Nothing massive, nothing too small. There are no super fans outside because it's cold and it's December the 1st. So people are out Christmas shopping as well. It's very unlikely for the rest of the year that we're going to see some super fans waiting all day outside unless they're proper, proper mental super fans. But we shall see in the near future. So inside the arena, it's looking pretty good. I mean, they're well ahead of schedule. With the size of the technical equipment for the show, it's not bad going. It's not bad going at all. So what they've got is a special truss at the front of the stage and it's a giant triangle so three giant pieces of truss all bolted together all on night dollies i may add so they could just quickly get the section in lights already pre-rigged jobs quick jobs are good and and on these sections of triangle you've got a lot of led washers i mean powerful powerful units i think they are the bees eyes led pixel which is quite big can operate independently to the pixel that it's next to and there's a load of these in the same unit so you've got a lot more variation and designability within the light itself you can do a lot with, with the bi's lots of them we've seen them before another show since we've been back from the pandemic also on these trusses are a load of sunstrip buttons which are led pin spots on these buttons loads of them all pointing vertically up which is lining stage left and stage right side of the triangles it's looking good looking really good actually whilst they're flashing it out you've also got a front of house bar which yet again is more moving lights and i believe they are robo follow spots so you've got two robo follow spots you've got a few more units which are being used for face light and you've got another handful of vi's hanging front of house so you've got a forward wash as well as the backlight which is its own truss you've got a, you've got a truss in the middle behind the triangle and a truss above the led screens at the back of the stage you haven't got one giant screen at the back which they could have done if they wanted to they got the kit to do this but they've done this clever they've gone uh, on uh, the same motif as the uh, wwe wrestling where you've got two screens and then in the middle, where the gap is, you've got another screen which is set forward. So you've got an entrance. So once it's all fully built, which it's not quite yet, it will look like it's seamless when you're looking dead on from front. And you've got an entrance left and right of it. Which, once it's all fully uh, operational, it's going to look pretty good. It really will do. So the stage left and stage right side of the screen, they're all complete. They're just building the middle section right now as we speak. Additionally, stage left and stage right, you've got some more of these uh, high-res LED screens. I mean, since the pandemic, a lot more people are starting to use these screens. I believe uh, they've become a lot more affordable uh, as the technology is becoming more mass-produced. So you've got a thin screen, stage left and stage right, and pretty high. So we're talking three meters wide and six meters high. It's good. It's going to be a nice good resolution. I don't know what images are going to be playing or if there's going to be cameras at the moment, but we shall find out soon enough. I'd like to believe that there's going to be uh, cameras within the pit so you've got a nice so you got a nice close-up image of the artists 
throughout the evening on the side screens for those who can't get up close and personal on the pit. Sound wise, you got line arrays both stage left and stage right, and you got them too wide on the line array and they're 10 deep. So there's a nice amount of sound system there. And, and in between the side screens and the main line array, you've, you've got the side line arrays which are smaller, pointed 45 degrees out, giving the, giving the surround sound effect. Because of the roundiness of the crowd, the mixing position is surrounded by Mojo, and there's Mojo surrounding the stage as well. Security will be tight on this show because the crowd has been known to be rowdy, and even though it's the second show of the, at the start of the tour, we got a report last night that there was a lot of pit activity. A lot of girls being pulled from in front of the Mojo into the pit because there was a nice crush going on there. Which means we're going to have a lot of highly trained professionals within the pit to act as spotters so no one gets injured. These audience members will be pulled out to safety and sent either stage left or stage right to rendezvous with their friends. Build wise, it's about 99% complete. They've even started to dress the stage now. So when I say dress the stage, they're putting up the little bits of sets that are on there and they've got a nice little picket fence going stage left and stage right. We'll be back after this. This podcast contains themes that are unsuitable for younger listeners and parental guidance is advised. It's, it's been 30 years since it came. What? What? Yeah, sucks. Guys! D-Block Europe, often abbreviated to DBE, is a British hip-hop collective consisting of Adam Nathaniel, Young Ads, Williams, Ricky L, Dirtbike LB, Banton and Pierre, Lil Pino, Aarons, from Lewis from London. Their references to the locks, also known as D-Block. They started to put out tracks on their own label in the beginning of 2014. The duo rose to fame in 2017 after releasing numerous singles including large amounts. Their style encompasses elements of British hip-hop and trap as well as the use of auto-tune. D-Block Europe's debut mixtape, Any Minute Now, a collaborative project with British rapper from London, Yixing Bane, was released in 2018 and charted at number 14 on the UK Albums Chart. The debut solo mixtape, Home Alone, was released on the 15th of February in 2019 and peaked at number 6 in the UK Albums Chart, followed by their second mixtape of 2019, PTSD, which debuted at number 4 on the UK Albums Chart. Their debut album, The Blueprint Us Vs Them, reached number 2 in the UK Albums Chart on October 16th in 2020, before their Central C collaboration debuted in, debuted inside the top 10 on 20, on the 26th of November 2021. D-Block Europe were the act with, most, with the most hits without a top 10 managing to chart 29 singles into the UK top 75 with none of them reaching the top 10. So their albums. You got studio album The Blueprint, Us Vs Them. That was released on the 9th of October 2020. Self-released under their own label. It peaked at number 2 in the UK and 37 in Ireland and was certified gold by the BPI. And their mixtapes, you had Any Minute Now with, with Yixing Bane and that was released on the 20th of July 2018, self-released. 
peaked at number 14 in the UK and uh, was certified silver by the BPI. You had Home Alone, which was released on the 15th of February 2019, peaked at number 6, and that was certified by the BPI as gold. You had PTSD, released on the 27th of September 2019, and peaked at number 4 in the UK, and peaked at number 54 in Ireland. And the BPI certified that as gold. You had Street Trauma, released on the 27th of December 2019, Pete's at number nine in the UK, and it got silver under the BPI. Then you had Home Alone 2, which was released 19th of November 2021. It charted in the UK at number six, and it charted in Ireland at number 20, and has yet to uh, be accredited with a uh, gold, silver, or even platinum, because it's, it's this year, it's new. So you've got a lot of singles, and I'm just gonna skip through. So in 2017, you had you had 10 singles, all failed to chart. Then you had in 2018, Gucci Mane, which charted at 49, Nasty at 35, Kitchen Kings at 16, Home Pussy at 20. Then 2019, you had Nookie, which which charted at 16, Playing for Keeps in they hit 21. No cellular sites, they hit 29 and Meadow Like Dink chart. In 2020, they had 322, which which peaks at 31. Plain Jane peaks at 30. We Won peaks at 31. UFO peaks at 11. Ferrari Horses peaks at 14. Kevin McAllister peaks at number 40. And in 2021, they had Lake 29 peaking at 42, No Competition peaking at 18, Overseas peaking at number 8. So they've done pretty well on their own steam, I have to say. Definitely on their own steam. Had they had a record label uh, behind them, they probably would have peaked even further and probably made the uh, top 10 for a record company uh, with their advertising contacts. But... They're doing it independently, and as far as independence goes, that is pretty—it's pretty well going for being an independent artist under your own label. You can't ask for more, really. We'll be back after this. If you're a band member or an artist, dancer, singer, actor, street performer, and you're listening to this, and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media, or even uh, want to talk to us about a student show. How about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show. And here's something I found on the internet about Lil Pino. Let's get on it, shall we? Lil Pino is a very popular British musical artist as well as a musical composer. He's actually known as a singer and as a rapper too. Some of his most popular rap songs are Maya Mills, Gold, This Love, etc. His songs can be easily heard and his music videos can easily be viewed from YouTube and some of the other musical platforms like Deezer, Soundcloud, TuneIn and Spotify. His genre is basically hip-hop and rap. Lil came into limelight when he released his only album named Home Alone. He mostly released his songs via D-Block Europe. He is really a hard-working artist and currently focused on his career. He wants to grow more and more every day and also shows a lot of passion for his work with, the, with these abilities. 
Lil is becoming successful day by day and his songs and music are also improving lately. 10 facts about Lil Pino. Lil Pino is British and was born in the UK. He spent his entire childhood there. He is as popular for being hip hop as well as rapper at this fully written. He is put as popular he is as popular for being a hip hop artist as well as a rap artist. His exact date of birth has not been known. However, he seems to be in his late 20s. Lil's height as well as weight remains a mystery to date. It is believed he has received his entire education in the UK. The estimated net worth of Lil Pino has not been known yet. Lil strongly believes that his private life has nothing to do with his professional career, which is why he hasn't revealed much about his love life as well as his parents. Well, I can't blame him for that really. Currently, Lil Pino has been residing in his hometown in the UK. Lil is seen on Instagram. In fact, he has gained more than 59,000 followers on his official Instagram account. Interesting 10 facts. Oh well. So that's all we know about Lil Pino. Can't wait to check out his live performance. With a bit of luck, we'll be pleasantly surprised. We'll be back after this. Warning, this podcast contains strong, offensive and misogynistic language that some listeners may find offensive. The name's Vert. Percival Reginald Vert. And I run the P-Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the cops will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Looking at Lil Pino's set. Well, I was supposed to be looking at Lil Pino's set, but there was a DJ that was sprung on us unannounced. And we didn't realise this was going to happen. So it was DJ Robert Bruce. Okay. He's playing some interesting tracks to say the least. I want to say interesting. I mean, there was no consistency within the tracks. The uh, tracks he was playing were very poor quality MP3s. The tracks will either be very, very loud or very, very quiet. And everything in between. There was no consistency whatsoever. And I'd have questions over the authenticity of some of these tracks. But then again, there's not much you can do about that. Although, to give uh, DJ Robert Bruce a lot of credit, he had the crowd in the palm of his hands and they were reacting and responding very well to him. But there was a bit of an embarrassment at the start of his set. So as he walked out, he carried his laptop out with him in case someone might have jacked it whilst he's waiting to go on even though there is a lot of security as soon as the doors open and he had sound checked beforehand with that laptop but why he took his laptop away one will never know I suppose so when he come out with his laptop underneath his arm and plugged in no sound came out whatsoever so the house music had gone down and the first five to seven minutes it was all nothing just a load of faff at the DJ decks and eventually the sound engineer from stage left from the monitors came on stage to find out what's going on and he pressed the unmute button on the laptop so unfortunately there was a schoolboy error there from uh, DJ Robert Bruce's point of view he had his laptop muted and forgot that it was muted and he wondered why there's no sound coming out but other than that his set was okay, I suppose. He had everyone dancing, had everyone uh, cheering. 
did a bit of rapping on top of certain tracks and people enjoyed it. So it worked. It worked well, but from a technical point of view, this it's a bit of a rookie mistake with having your laptop muted. Secondly, when your laptop was sound checked, it should have stayed on the DJ console because no one's going to pinch it. You know, it's a bit of a ridiculous thing to do just to take your laptop away once it's been sound checked because then it defeats the object really, doesn't it? Anyways, then Lil Pino came on and he lasted for three tracks. Three tracks of... I, I don't know how to describe it really. Um, of flat rapping. And when I say flat, it's not particularly his uh, fault. It was, uh, I suppose it was a combination of whoever was DJing his music because his tracks came out via the uh, DJ and the sound engineer in front of the house and it did sound pretty flat it sounded as flat as a yeah, as flat as a squash hedgehog on an autumn's evening in the middle of a road that's how flat it was there's no clarity within the vocals and there's no clarity between the different parts of the song it sounds as though there was cloth over someone's ears when uh, it was being mixed which is unfortunate and it was also unfortunate that Lil Pino only lasted for three songs which wasn't long at all and then DJ Robert Bruce come back in and came back in for another 20 minutes it's not exactly what you'd expect from a show but it's their show and they can do whatever they want in their show and that that's as far as I'm gonna say on that one I suppose then D Block Europe wow wow what can I say I mean I've seen a lot of shows in my time I've seen lots of gigs I've seen lots of plays I've seen lots of musicals I've worked on a lot of them and I mean I've, I've worked on a lot of shows and this I have to say I was quite gobsmacked for uh, for the first time in a long time what can I say about this show well D-Block Europe yes we knew that from reading out what I found online about them that they use auto-tune but I did not realize that they would use more auto-tune than Cher in in her modern songs okay you know life after love that's full of auto-tune Jesus that was nothing uh, D block Europe they're like Cher hold my beer wow auto-tune to high how I suppose it works I mean uh, they did sell pretty okay in the arena the arena was um, 70% full and uh, they sold uh, around about the same proportions in all the other venues on their tour so it, it's not bad really but I don't know it was <sighs> it was interesting to say the least and uh, I'm gonna leave that bit there I'm gonna now critique uh, the night uh, the lights and the uh, sound so just like Lil Pino D-Block Europe's sound was very flat, zero clarity, and to be honest it was a waste of a sound system. They had a nice powerful sound system and you couldn't really make much out. It was loud, lots of bass, and yet the uh, lyrics, they were just... When it was an auto-tune to High Heaven, it was quite... There was no clarity within it. You couldn't distinguish much from the vocals to the backing track and it was just mishmashed together as though there was not much effort put into it 
there wasn't. It's like I suppose that the front of house engineer was getting the sound feed from the decks, and there's not much you could do with it, maybe. And then mixing that with the band, because there was a band. You had a drummer and you had a guitarist on, and it's and a keyboard player and the DJ. And there wasn't much distinction between the instruments that were being played live and the track. So I don't know. I don't know. It was loud and not clear whatsoever from a track point of view. Is that D Block Europe's fault? No, I wouldn't say that was their fault. It may just be down to the yeah, sound engineer. I have to say it made a venue sound like a shed. You would have had a better sound in a shed with a couple of uh, wireless Bluetooth speakers. That's what you get in for the clarity. Lighting wise, well, now that is my forte and they had all these expensive lights, lots of good technology, some serious pieces of technology and yet it was wasted. The, the BI lights, they could have done so much with those and they had so many in this triangle and it was just a flat wash. It's like you've just wasted a lot of money. You could have achieved the same thing with a lot cheaper lights and saved a lot of money. You really could have. The position of those lights, they could have made a lot of shapes, a lot of backing shapes, which would have had a nice subtle appearance. But no, it was just, they didn't even bother to zoom in the lights. It was just a flat wash and you couldn't even make out the lights in the triangle. Maybe if they had a few less lights in the triangle, you'd actually see a lot of distinction about the reason why they had it modeled in the triangle. But it didn't come out. It was just flat wash after flat wash after flat wash. And when they actually used the BI uh, facilities on the uh, units, it was just poorly executed. I'm sorry, but it was. And I've seen those units used very, very well. Yeah, I've seen some astonishing jaw-dropping lighting designs using those particular units and this was just missing the mark. If you've got the equipment, use the equipment. If you don't know how to use the equipment, don't hire that piece of equipment. It's as simple as that. You've just cost the band a fortune on something that you're not using properly. What's the point? You could have saved a lot of money and achieved the same thing. You really could have. What else can I say, really? Uh, you had the LED, uh, you had the LED strobes. Yet again, you could have done a lot with those, but it was kept very basic. And same with the sun strips. You could have done some better chases with those, I suppose. I mean, they're there for uh, flooding the audience, and that's about it. Maybe not have them tight against the truss but have them angled down at 45 degrees towards the audience and you would have achieved a much better uh, look with them you would have it's unfortunate it's unfortunate for the band and it's unfortunate for the audience but then like this leads me to the next point would the audience have cared probably not because they enjoyed themselves they enjoyed themselves that much there was um, Lots of clothes left in the pit after the show. Lots of lost property as they're throwing stuff around, they're throwing drinks around. They were completely enjoying themselves. And unfortunately, there was a lot of trouble in there that night as well. A lot of ejections. 
a lot of injuries from the audience and uh, a lot of hostility with some of the uh, customers and fans towards the staff of the venue which was uncalled for. Is it the band's fault? No, it's not but still it didn't look too good though. Didn't look good at all. With a bit of luck, if um, D Block Europe are listening to this, I'm only saying this as constructive criticism. I'm not saying that you're uh, not good. I'm just saying that perhaps you need a different team to do your live event. It, it may, was it mates of mates of mates? I don't know, but I think you need to listen to a few other people and not some, and not some of the people that are part of your tour. I'm sorry, you could have had better sound. With the sound system that you had, you, you could have had a much better sound. With the uh, lights that you had, you've uh, lost a small tidy fortune on units that weren't being used properly. The AV, the video, that looks good. That looked good, there was nothing wrong with the AV. But, I don't know, it just feels like a missed opportunity for your uh, show. It really did. Now, I'm not going to critique you on your uh, music. It's not my right to do that. I don't know much about your genre, for a start. But your audience loved you. And they did. They really did. But from the uh, show point of view, perhaps you might want a better team behind you. Constructive criticism, that's all I'm saying, mate. That's all I'm saying. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.